This is Life Transformation Radio. Prepare to engage. Seatbelt activated. Download initiated. Your quantum journey of transformation begins in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to Life Transformation Radio. Hi, I'm Rob Actis, best-selling author of The Law of Action, voice actor, business mindset coach, the podcast whisperer, and Mr. Action himself. Here at Life Transformation Radio, we are committed to share more about real life, love, the power of positivity, romance, and of course, laughter. We care about helping others find their internal drive and purpose. We celebrate life's challenges and overcoming them. On the show, my guests are amazing people who are forces for good in the world around them and live a life of transformation. My guest today does just that. He is 26 years old and has probably accomplished more than a lot of you and me combined. Brandon Fong, welcome to Life Transformation Radio. Rob, we'll see if I can live up to that. I appreciate it, man. Super (laughs) excited to be here. You like that? All right, so in, in in your long history of of life like where did it all begin you're you're entrepreneurial you're driven you're very action oriented which i happen to love and where did it begin like like one two three four five where did it begin so i started a rock stand at age five instead of a lemonade stand so maybe that was the beginning of it but i would say the origin story really starts at wisconsin hills middle school so i'm going to take our listeners and you rob back to Mrs. Dentisi's sixth grade classroom, we're all sitting, staring at the digital clock, waiting for it to hit that next minute, because the minute that it hits, we get to go to lunch, right? The most exciting part of the day. So the bell finally rings, all my classmates jump to their feet. And if you're an invisible friend that's kind of watching here, you'll see that everybody sprinted out of the room except for one kid. And that kid was packing his bags very slowly. He's taking his sweet time getting to the lunchroom. And that kid was me. And uh, if you're listening, I'll describe this, but I'm showing Rob a picture right now. I have uh, buck teeth. I got the, the, the kind of some spectacle-looking glasses, right? And you may be wondering, why would any sixth grader procrastinate on going to lunch on the most exciting day? Well, Wisconsin Hills was in one of the most wealthiest zip codes in the state. And as I'm sitting waiting to go through the lunch line, my heart starts beating faster and faster because one friend would go through, he would type in his student ID, it would show $5 on the screen for his lunch. And then another friend would go through, they'd have a dessert, so it'd be $6.50 or whatever. My turn, my heart's racing. I type in my student ID, 156403. I'll never forget it. And then up on the screen, it shows Brandon Fong, free free and reduced lunch, $0.00. And because I was one of the only kids in one of the wealthiest school districts here, like on that program, I did want, not want any of my friends to see that. I hated it. I was frustrated. I wanted things to be different. And as I look back at it now, I am actually so ridiculously grateful for that, even though I hated it, because it taught me how to look at life differently, how to look at things differently. If I wanted to achieve something, it wasn't just handed to me. Like all my friends, I just got whatever they asked for. I had to figure it out. So that was when I started experimenting with non-traditional ways as a 12-year-old, as a 13-year-old to like get the Wii or pay for contacts. Like I I had those glasses I didn't like. So I had to figure out how to pay for contacts. And uh, one of the things that I stumbled on is 
what it really means to learn how to love and connect with people and the opportunities that open up once you can learn how to make those connections. So I can share more stories on that, but that's where it all started. My friend was Wisconsin Hills Middle School. I love that. I can relate to you. So I was a free lunch kid and actually I felt terrible. Uh, I don't even know how I did this, but I, you know, the kid that was, I don't remember his name, but the kid who was there and he was a big, he was one of the bullies in sixth grade. And I remember this profoundly fifth and sixth grade. He was one of the bullies and he was the guy that used to check the cards for the free lunch and the reduced lunch line. And he was so mean that I actually just didn't like it anymore. And so I actually got a job and worked in the cafeteria in sixth grade. And I was in charge of doing the cards for the free and the um, oh, reduced lunch. Creative. Well, it was interesting. I, I just, I found that it was, it didn't feel good for me. And I didn't want to have that be done to others. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think you and I are the same path. You and I are very heart-centered. We're both compassionate. And I just wanted to be a buffer for people because I know how bad it felt for me, just the teasing and stuff. But I was pretty thick-skinned. And I, you know, I have older brothers and sisters. You get picked on all the time. So it just is what it is. And other people, they didn't have that opportunity. They might have been, you know, only children or they could have been sheltered. And it really upset them and really really hurt them. And we lived in a very mixed community of very wealthy and very poor. And so, yeah, that's what I did. So that I have a different memory of, of my sixth grade in the same thing. And I think it's important. Um, you mentioned connecting. Uh, I think that's where I started connecting. Is that where you started connecting in sixth grade and realized that you can connect with adults and you can kind of have conversations and you can kind of like make things happen? I think you're very similar to I in the way that you and I maneuvered school. I think it was using our 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 um our drive and ambition, but also our language. Yeah, a hundred percent. Well, I also want to qualify and say that my I have the world's best parents. And so I was always surrounded by self-improvement and like learning and growth and all that kind of stuff. So, but you're right, Rob, absolutely. I used to, if I go back to fifth grade, like I loved talking with the lunch lady instead of my friends. Like it was just more more interesting to talk to the adults than than the other kids. But uh if you fast forward to my junior year of high school is when I got my first ever mentor and when my light, my eyes opened up to the possibility of really connecting with people. And the basically what happened was I wanted to be an entrepreneur because of those earlier experiences and seeing my parents do this. And I had the opportunity to compete at this state business plan competition for, uh, I came up with this idea for a food truck. It was called the Sizzlin' Ninja, everyone. <laughs> it was going to be revolutionary, hibachi style, drawing crowds, all this cool stuff. It was the coolest thing my brain could come up with as a 16-year-old. And so I competed at the state competition, end up taking first place, super excited until the next day because the advisor calls all the qualifiers that, that place in state that get to go to internationals in a room. She slides the itinerary t- across the desk and I pick it up and I'm leafing through it. I'm like, oh, we get to go to the aquarium, all that cool stuff. And then I see the price at the bottom and it's $1,050.80. And I'm like, well, here we go again. Like, I, like, I, like sure, all my friends can just have their parents write their check for it, but like I had to figure out a way to do it. And so I go home kind of like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And my dad's like, well, I might be able to introduce you to somebody that could help. And like, now you're starting to see the connection thing. So he introduces me to Brenda Campbell, my first ever mentor. And she's the founder, uh, or the, she's the president of a nonprofit organization called Secure Future. So she teaches kids on, or teaches on financial literacy and all this kind of stuff. But she, she took me under her wing. And even though I was 16 years old, 
majority of my friends are just focused on getting their driver's license, even though my email address was asianninja221 at gmail.com. <laughs> she took me under her wing and taught me how to fundraise. And she's told me one thing that completely changed my life. Is she said, Brandon, if you ask for money, you'll get advice. But if you ask for advice, you'll get money. And I'm like, hmm, it sounds piffy. It sounds interesting, but I don't really know what that means. And she showed, didn't, she didn't tell me, she showed me what that meant. So she, she's like, this is how it's going to work. You're going to work on your business plan. I'm going to introduce you to someone and you're going to ask for feedback on your business plan. And once they provided you the feedback, ask if they'd be willing to contribute to your trip. So she does this, introduces me to all these people. I'm getting checks for $100 at a time. And I'm like, holy crap, like this is ridiculous. I get to connect with someone and get that and like build a relationship with them and they support me. And so two weeks before the end of the trip or the trip is supposed to take off or the deadline to pay for the trip, I should say, I'm still 500 bucks short. And Brenda says, oh my God, I forgot to introduce you to Kevin Kowalki. Kevin Kowalki is like a bigger entrepreneur in the area. And so she introduces me. I do the same thing, same pitch. And afterwards, it's slightly different because he asked me the question, Brandon, how much do you have left to pay for the trip? And I'm like, well, I got like 500 bucks and like the, the trips in just a few weeks. And he smiles and he pulls out his checkbook and he writes. And I didn't want to be rude. So I didn't want to like stare at the check or anything. But then he puts it in an envelope and then sends me on my way. And of course, the first thing I do is I, I get through the door and I rip open the checkbook and I find out that he gave me a check for $500. And like seeing the fact that he was willing to invest in me and like all the people that made this trip possible and the way that, it, that I was able to make all these connections starting at age 16 was absolutely transformative for me. So I didn't place at nationals, but the lessons that I learned from Brenda at that early age of learning how to create world-class connections is a foundational concept that has served me in even bigger and bigger ways than that initial way. But that was where it all started. Yeah, I, I think that's really incredible that you did that. What's interesting, now I'm a lot older than you. However, you know, it's important to, to note, and I, I, I think this is really something to really pay attention to, had I had wanted to do that when I was in sixth grade, that would have been a possibility. But for generating revenue right now in 2022 with the internet and, and virtual and side hustles and everything else that you can do, the opportunities are so much more vast. And I think it's an incredible time to be alive. Like there is no reason in your life to say, I can't make money. Because there's lots and lots of ways. So how does someone who wants to connect and be a connector um, do it in 2022? And say they're not, you know, one of the things I think that was a key to your success and that they wanted to contribute is that you're young, you're ambitious, you're motivated, you know, you're doing something positive. How does someone who's 40 or 50 or 60 use connections to get what they want so they can have their happily ever after? 100%. Love that question. So I have a three-part framework that I can teach that will help anybody open the door to these incredible connections. I call it the magic connection method. And the I'll back up and I'll say at a, at a really high level, I think that in today's space, there's lots of rooftop marketing. It's like people that are just saying, this is what I do. And they're kind of like copying and pasting the same crap to everyone. 
And I would, I would almost guarantee it, Rob, if you and I pause this recording or did it right now, you could open up your LinkedIn. I could open up my LinkedIn. You listening could open up your LinkedIn or your email inbox. And chances are somewhere within the past 24 to 48 hours, you've been sent something that like someone clearly didn't get the t- take the time to get to know you. They just sent you something and they're hoping that they're going to connect with you and grow or buy, buy their stuff. And so I think that there's a lot of thought to be put in exactly what you said. There's lots of opportunities, but you have to choose the right First of all, you have to choose the right people that you want to invest in. Obviously, there's lots of people in the world that um, can create exponential opportunities. And there are other people that are going to just continue to take and take and take from you. So like, there's obviously some filters here. But um, all that to say, this three-part process will simplify if you have someone in mind that would be a high-value relationship for you, meaning they could be a referral partner, they could be a high-ticket client, they could be um, somebody that is going to... I guess I said referral partner already, so I, I ran out of my third option there. But think about it this way. You want to do the exact opposite of everything that you're seeing inside of your email inbox right now. So what does that mean? The first thing is, uh, the three steps are compliment, irresistible offer, and no oriented questions. So I'll walk through each of them. The first part is the compliment is you want to take the time to actually get to know the person that you're reaching out to and show that you care, right? And so there's a really easy way to think about doing this. And I call it the love plus specific formula, but take the time to go back and appreciate them for something that they do inside of their life. Like do the research to show that you actually care about them enough for them to care about you, right? It's the, it's not about you or you don't have to say, my name is Brandon Fong. I do X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. They don't know. They don't care yet. So the first ever email that I ever sent out that was in this way and that transformed my life was this guy named Jonathan Levy, really successful guy. I was 21 years old. I ended up reaching out to Jonathan Levy and it was something along the lines of, Hey, Jonathan, I listened to episode 47 of your podcast with Noah Kagan. I took it and I implemented it. Thank you so much for sharing that with me. I decided to do a little bit of a deeper dive on your site and I found three specific projects that I would love to help you with, blah, 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 blah. I want to do them 100% for free. And, um, you know, would you be interested if you like my work, then we can figure out a way to work together. If not, then, um, you can go your separate way and you didn't pay for anything. And so that was the first ever email that I sent that kind of followed this general framework that I'm talking about. But, uh, and I'll, I'll zoom in on the different components there, but going back to the initial thing is I took the time to care about him by using something very specific. So something you could do is if you're reaching out to Rob or someone like Rob is, Hey, listen to episode 36 of the show. Loved it when Michael Thornhill shared XYZ about healing healing wounds using love and overcoming trauma. I'm going to share that with my friend. Thank you so much for sharing. So um, that's the, the very first part is coming up with something specific that can't be copy and pasted to anybody else except for the person that you're reaching out to. Going back, the next part of this, this framework is the irresistible offers. So one of the things I learned from applying for scholarships in college is always to think about it from the perspective of the person reading my papers, right? The same thing goes from uh, sending something that you want to reach out to something. You want to take the time to think about the value that you can provide to them, right? Not what you can get from them. So if you're going back to that initial email that I sent to Jonathan Levy, I did a deep dive on his brand and I came across several ways or several projects I could work on that he probably needed to get done, but he wasn't going to have the time to actually go go about and do it. So um, that the fact that I took the time to do that, made, it really stood out for him. And you may be wondering like, okay, well, I don't have time to do free work for everyone, which is a very valid point, but there is still things that you can do to reach out to and connect with a person. So if I'm reaching out to someone to come on my show, I might tell them about maybe some of the introductions I could potentially make for them or some of the exposure they could get on my show. Um, and also the time that I invest, I invest so much time into each one of my shows to make sure that I 
research them and, they, and give them a unique experience. So th- those are some components. But the question for you is, when you're reaching out to these people, what are the ways that you can show that you are put the thought ahead of time into creating value for them? And a, a little bit of a bonus trick that, I, that I've developed over the years is like, I think the most important part is that you've showed that you took the time to invest in this. And one of the ways you could do that is to say, hey, I put together a Google Doc or I put together some next steps um, inside of something that I created for you, right? And so that would be the irresistible offer. And then the last part is the no-oriented question. So at this point, we've taken the time to care about them. We've really researched them, had the caveat of exactly what Rob said. Like you, you really did take the time to do that. You've shown and you've created something that would be valuable for them. And you did the work ahead of time. The last part is simply to get them to lean in if they're interested in hearing more about what you have to, to do. Instead of people don't like to have stuff shoved in their face. They want, they want to lean in if they want to and not have something pushed in front of them. So how you do that is this last thing called the no-oriented question. I learned this from uh, Chris Voss, who wrote the book, Never Split the Difference. Uh, and he's an ex-FBI hostage negotiator, the dude that's like on the phone with a lunatic in the basement of a bank that's about to blow up the whole place. What do you say to that guy? So he talks about this concept of a no-oriented question where every single time we say yes to something, it means we're giving away our time, our energy, our effort away. So we have to be very careful about our yeses. But on the other hand, saying no makes us feel secure. It makes us feel safe. And so that makes it a lot easier for someone. So an example of a no-oriented question in this framework that I would use is 100% up to you, but would you be opposed to me sending over the Google Doc for you to check out? Or 100% up to you, would you be opposed to me sending over next steps to feature you on the show and just ending with the question? So at this point, if they're skimming, they see that you care, they see that you provided something valuable, and they see that there's a very simple way for them to respond. And you're just asking like, and, and allowing them to lean in and open those doors to those relationships. So um, that is a, a high level of it. But then you can at least start building the relationship from there and come from a place of having done your research and care and appreciation about the pr- person in front of you. Yeah, I think that goes back to your first mentor when she says, don't ask for money, ask for advice. Mm-hmm. So you're not asking for work, you're offering your, your, your services. Mm-hmm. Hundred percent, and it, and it, yeah, it, it, it may not even good. be your, it may not even be your services, like because like I think that's what's so brilliant about you, Rob, and the work that you do in the world supporting with podcasting. It's like you have a platform in which you can use to add value to people, right? And so um, that is that is a great way to build relationships with people and do it in a way where you can you can contribute them and and showcase them and potentially introduce them to other guests that have been on the show. And so having a non invasive value added way of providing value to people is an incredible way that you could leverage this. And it's not like dis- it's not like you're you're disguising your sales pitch in a in a new format by doing it this way, <laughs> right? You know, you're very positive. You're very upbeat. You have great parents. You have a great life. You're very successful. And I, I think there might be some people that are listening. Like, okay, so does he not have bad days? Do you not have challenges in your life? Not the case at all. I mean, I, I'm a, I'm an open book. Like I, so my college, I wrote a I wrote a I wrote a book in college that went that that went south. I, I worked on a startup company my freshman year. Found out one of the co-founders was using some of the money to pay for his college tuition. That ended poorly. I had a business. Okay, so I want to go back. That, I want to go back to that. I want to go back to that. So <laughs> I, I think it's important in life. We have the transformations, and that's what I love about Life Transformation Radio. Because when you have a transformation in your life how you transition and transform really lays out the path of your life. Mm-hmm. So you were involved in a business. The guy took all the money. 
you were devastated. I'm sure it affected you, impacted you financially. And you were, you know, what do you do now? So how did you overcome that? Like that was yeah. a, that was something that was like a gut punch. And how did you overcome a gut punch like that? Mm-hmm. There's two ways I'll answer it. The first I heard someone say the other day, and I love it. Um, don't get furious, get curious. I find that all these opportunities where things that are poor that happened to you or bad things that happened to you, it's like, well, this is interesting. This is a great opportunity to learn, right? So that's like one thing I'll say. Another thing is I had this guest on my show. His name is Neil Moore. He's creating breakthroughs in creativity for humanity through creative musicianship, which is really interesting. And he talks about this concept called the relationship conversation, how any long-term relationship any kind of relationship follows six main components to it. There's three that are qualitative, like good, bad, not so good. And three that are quantitative, meaning for short, medium, or long periods of time. So if you look at any relationship, things could be good for a while, and that's great. It'll flatten out for a while, and then it might decrease and be bad for a little bit, right? And the really cool thing about this is that most people, when something goes wrong, they're like, oh, something is bad. Something is not supposed to be happening. I don't like this, right? But if you take that long-term approach, you take the the high-level view, it's actually 100% natural. It is supposed to be happening that you're having that because that is the function of any long-term relationship. So um, I didn't have those mindsets or those tools as much in college when that particularly happened to me. But you know, I had a recent business falling out with a partner recently that, that, and it's the same thing though. I'm thinking about like the, the, the process of don't get fears, get curious. What can I learn from it? I'm super grateful for everything that happened, despite the fact that I'm still recovering from some of it right now, but also taking that approach. It's like, I'm supposed to be learning something here. And it takes that perspective and that lens of zooming in on the experience and being very introspective and journaling and making sure that you're getting the value from the experience. Because if you just let it pass over you without processing it, you're missing out on a lot of gold. <laughs> right. So a lot of your answer, very, very intellectual, very, very thinking. You were thinking mm-hmm. of how you're going to do this. And you took all the information that you had already heard about and how you did it. But how did you emotionally, because I, I had a business over COVID. I had a partner. It went sideways. A lot of money involved. Uh, Dear friend, it hurt. And, um, you know, you do have to process that. And I, I know what I did, but what did you, what do you do? Like, for example, this, when you have a business that goes sideways with a partner, and I'm assuming they were, you were friends. So you were in, yeah, you were entangled. You have that, that connection. You have that thread of, of a friendship. How did you overcome that? Or how are you processing that? So people mm-hmm. that are hearing that, because the world is crazy right now. There is so mm. much. Every day I look at the news and I'm like, oh my God. Uh, like I'm watching this bad movie and it gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And you kind of got to stay in your bliss bubble, but it mm-hmm. still impacts you. And people are, some people are actually just losing their minds and going crazy. And, you know, and what, I'm, what I mean by saying they're going crazy is they're doing things that are hurting other people. A lot of businesses are are closing and they're changing and there's a lot of fallout. So when you have that situation, how did you process emotionally, mm-hmm. heart-centered? Yeah. Um, the first thing I did was actually go take ice baths. Uh, so I went to Lake Michigan. This started to happen kind of in 
uh, October or November of last year, like the most recent occurrence that happened. And so like, I would go and I would jump in Lake Michigan. I'm from Wisconsin and like, that's cold water, you know? And so like putting my body into an alternative state, um, and, and, you know, that kind of helped me get out of the thoughts, get out of the the things and get into my body and start connecting. Um, right. I think so I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to jump in on that. So yeah. in my book, I talk about the Wim Hof method. Yep. Now, a lot of people will hear you and they're going to go jump in water, cold water, and the trick is, is not to fight it. The trick is when you settle into the cold and it takes a little bit and there's a sense of peace. Because if you're in a frenetic state and you're freezing and you're not, you're not doing what your body needs to do. But when you actually finally get to the point of where you sit in the cold, a whole spiritual transformation happens, a whole metaphysical transformation and a whole physical transformation happens. So when you jumped into Lake Michigan, did you get to that point of like calm 100%. or were you just like, oh my God, I'm freezing, I'm freezing, I'm freezing? Oh no, the magic happens once you get, once you get past, because like the first few minutes are the the suckiest, but like after you get the the past the first few minutes, that's when it gets really interesting because it's like you really are empty. You know, it's like when you get to that point in meditation, when it's like, you're not thinking yeah. about anything and, and just, especially when you're in the cold, you have to focus on your breathing. Exactly what you talked about, like with the Wim Hof method and like the being in the cold is a forcing function of making sure that you're, you're taking deep breaths and you're focusing. And uh, yeah, so that don't freak. If you do do this, obviously be very careful. This is, I'm not a doctor, no medical advice being given here. Like do it, do it, uh, make sure you're taking care of yourself. But, um, I definitely found that after the first few minutes, um, is really when it, it, you start to get that clarity and that calmness. And so when you had that clarity and calmness, uh, what did you see? Hmm. You're going, wait a minute. We're talking high, high, high caliber stuff. We're talking high energy stuff. And Rob's like, no, no, we're going to break down. We're getting to the heart centered stuff. We're talking about mm -hmm. this stuff, the stuff that matters. So when you got to that point of calmness and you're in your situation, you've been traumatized. What did you see? How did you I, feel? I felt at peace and I felt I, I had that realization that was it was happening for a reason. And I just had to really sit with it and be at peace with it. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing too. And, and like, that's where my journaling comes in too. It's cause like, it's great to pair like a physical experience with like the, the thoughts that come out after that. Um, so, I mean, I started like, cause I think lots of times we go in these danger loops in our head, we start thinking about the worst case scenario and it's the same thought over and over and over again. And it's just kind of like this, you know, it's not fun to be inside of your brain. So once you get outside of your brain and then you you're calmer and then you can, take that high level perspective and, you know, write down the things that you're grateful for the, the lessons that you learned as a result from it and how you can prevent it from happening again. That's where the clarity comes is when you take the time to think and process. So I do lots of journaling and that was usually where my, most of my thoughts get captured after I do an experience like that. So you had this situation, your partner, you're still in it. You went and did semi Wim Hof, you did a mind over matter. Do you, do you meditate? Do you do gratitude? What um, are things you do to, to get to the state of mind and being and soul and spirit. I've done a lot of identity work recently. So like that's helped a lot too. Cause I think that identity is one of the core functions that, that creates all of our actions in our, in our lives. So like I go back to being intentional about that identity 
that I've created because everything I, I believe comes from that. Um, and I also have a process. So what do you for, mean by that? What do you, what do you mean by identity work? What exactly do you mean by that? Yeah. So I think if you look at the really high level of things, it's like what influences our behavior the most. And it's usually things that you don't think about that much. So like one of them is language, like the language that you speak has Absolutely. a huge impact on the thoughts that you're having on the people that you're manifesting. Right. So like language is another one, like culture is another one that's invisible for the most part of your day. It's like, you're not really thinking about the culture that you're in. You're not thinking about your language. Identity is the other one that I would say has the biggest component of your life. Like, what are the stories? Stories? What are the narratives? What are those things that are going inside of your head that are actually controlling all the outcomes in your life? There's a quote that comes up all the time on my show: "Until you make the unconscious conscious, it will control your life, and you will call it fate." That's Carl Jung, um, and so I think that's another component of focusing on your identity work: is what are the core foundations of what makes you you that you want to make sure that you're stepping from rather than being unintentional about it and just letting your random life experiences dictate where you're going. So it's like even that thing of showing the sharing the free lunch story at the beginning, I used to never talk about that. I used to never in a million years, if you told 16 and 13 year old Brandon that I'd be sharing that story on a podcast, I would have never believed you. But it was the fact that I went back and I rewrote that experience for what it really meant and, and transformed the identity around that and like how it actually created the opportunity for me to learn and how to uh, problem solve in ways that I didn't have to. And it was training like that's all that kind of work. So I guess when I say identity work, it has to do with being conscious about the stories, the underlying narratives that are controlling your behavior. I love it. OK, so I have a time machine. We're going to step in the time machine right now. We're going to go ahead uh, five years. It'll be 2027. Mm-hmm. If I'm introducing you for a podcast on Life Transformation Radio, what am I going to say? Who is Brandon Fong? He's a dad. Uh, he's, he's a dad. He's an awesome husband. He, he dates his, I heard someone say this the other day. I love it so much. He, he dates his wife and is a cool dad. I'm not a, I'm not a father right now, but like, that's really what I'm always ever building for is I, I, I really want to create an incredible family life, uh, raise some incredible kids with my beautiful wife, my high school sweetheart. Um, and that's really like the, the most important thing. Obviously I want to continue to grow the business and the podcast, but at the end of the day, I love having transformational experiences with the people that I'm closest with. I love it. I love it. Well, I wish you nothing but success. And I I think you're definitely on the right path. And I want to thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for being here, Brandon. Thank you, Rob. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy and precious day to listen. So appreciate it. Thank you for allowing me along my very special guest, Brandon Fong, to touch your heart, move you, inspire you. Remember, take time out to breathe. Don't let fear stop you. Decide, plan, and act. You deserve a happily ever after. I'm Rob Actis. Until next time. This is Life Transformation Radio. Download complete.